Uh, I'm excited for the presentation you have planned, everything else that you have planned. Hope it gives you all a window into their ministry world. Um, we've saved some time at the end for questions, so we'll take questions, of course, here in the room and questions from people online. Just drop those into the chat, and I'll collate them for, uh, for you guys at the end. And I am going to pray for us to begin, and then I'm just going to back away slowly, get out of the way, and let you guys take it away. Um, I am not dressed for, for being up here with you. Uh, is, that, is that working? Is it on? Maybe? Were you, were you fiddling with the buttons? No, it's on. You're good. All right. Hello. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening, for the opportunity for us to engage with Dave and Joy in their, their work and what they um, have prepared to share with us. Uh, thank you for all the work they've put into preparing, and we do pray for tonight and, and even for this seminar itself online and in its recorded form to continue to reach others who aren't even here tonight. Um, thank you for the opportunity we have to be together to hear about creating bridges for the gospel. Uh, we pray that you would impact us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, take it away. Okay. Well, you said you weren't dressed for the occasion, uh, so we'd like to welcome all of you to Bridge or Barrier, and you are going to get dressed for the occasion. Men's outfits here, ladies here. You can get a hat, just a shirt, just pop it on over top. Welcome to what it means to make a bridge or a barrier. Here you go. Pastor, you can be first up. Men here, grab a hat, grab a shirt. Ladies, grab an outfit, or you can just put a shirt on top there. Take a look. There's some bright colors from Africa, lots of African shirts. So quickly, as soon as you get yours, put it on and then go back and sit down. You can take off your there you go. Woohoo. Oh, okay. It'd be cold. <laughs> just pop something on top. There you go. Joey, you're looking really African there, man. I feel good. Yeah. Yeah, there. You want to preach in it tomorrow morning, eh? Yeah. <laughs> just some of them are just easy. You just put them on. There you go. We got some African color out there now. Looking great. Yes, right from Hawaii. Yeah, just throw that over your mirror. Yeah, you just tie it around. Yep. When you get ready to go on a mission trip. A lot of times we get together, we pray, we do a lot of preparation, but some of the things we don't realize is that the first thing that they are going to see is you and what you look like. And you might look like, sorry if I use a bad term, the ugly American. They'll spot you a mile away, but sometimes you can trick them a little and they love it by coming, looking a little bit like them. Okay, thank you so much. We are now going. We, will, we have some uh, Bahamas hat, African shirts, Hawaii. We have Guatemala. We have a few other back there, some other places in Africa, India, an Indian shirt. This is a Russian scarf. There you go. So thank you for joining us. We feel a little bit more at home now. Uh, in our outfits. These are not clown suits. One of the things in making bridges or barriers is just we just kind of say the first thing that comes out of our mind or out of our mouths. Are you wearing clown suits? No, these actually we went and bought them off of a rack in an African market in Durban. They will wear these some of the to, to parties or to events. 
or to church or to places um, where they are going and they love color. I was at a church a few months ago in South Africa in, in a black township, and um, the pastor was wearing this, and uh, he was and all he done was up. Indian. And, and they were having a commissioning, sending out a missionary to another continent, another nation. So, yeah. So, let's start off with bridge or barrier. What is this all about? It's going to be hard for the people in the front row. Can you see the screens? Yeah, yeah. Nope. Okay, go ahead. Some um, of these, they'll just come bit by bit. You might need to move back a few rows. Sorry about that. Yeah, But it's all right. We'll give, we'll give some of this stuff up the front. We'll save some for you. <laughs> okay. Crossing cultures anywhere, anytime. And if you think this just applies to missionaries, it doesn't. It applies to every one of you sitting here, and we'll see more of that as we go on. So the first thing we want to talk about is, what is culture? Well, I, I remember, Joy, we were in India many years ago. We were at the Taj Mahal. I've been at the Taj Mahal, I think, five times, even at night, because I lived there in India for quite a few years. And I remember Joy and me were wearing Indian clothes at the Taj Mahal. Fully, and not just... And <laughs> this Indian man who was wearing Western attire, suit and tie and all the rest of it... Had his briefcase. He says... The words, and he came up rocking his head, talking like an Indian. He says, I, uh, you are looking, you are wearing my culture. You are wearing my culture. And we responded You're to him and says... You're looking very beautiful. Can yeah. I take your photo? And I says, you are wearing my culture too. <laughs> and he asked if he could take a photo, and we did. So what is culture? Is it just what we wear? Not really. And we're going to take a look at this. And does everyone have culture? Do you believe everyone has culture? Even you think, oh, they're uncultured. Does every, everyone has culture? Okay, how do we learn that culture? Parents. Parents. Yeah. Yep. That's one of the things we do. Experience. The society around us. From young age to old. Of course, parents also mention that. And does the Bible have anything to say and could you give me you guys are all you know part of this amazing faith bible church here and i'm sure you have a lot so who can give me a scripture where it talks about culture and how we as christians should relate to someone of a different culture does anyone or have an ideas can explain what it says yeah in the back very good Excellent ex explanation of culture. The thing there was, yeah, there was a Samaritan who was half Jew, and they didn't talk to each other, but they, what, did they build a bridge or a barrier, the Samaritan? Yes, mm -hmm. yes, the good Samaritan. All right, can I, is there any other scripture that talks, that relates to you and me and gives us some instruction? Spot on. Wow, good job. Okay, let's, let's turn that and let's read that. Okay, good job. 9, 19 through 23. But let's read this in a different context. Like kind of, we kind of think of this maybe just as missionaries, or, but for all of us who are in our thing. You want to read that? Let me read it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 says, Though I am free and belong to no man... I make myself a slave to everyone, 
to win as many as possible. Okay, stop just there. That's not popular language, is it? I make myself a slave to everyone. We even have a fable about you can't please everyone, so don't try. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And these are spiritual terms that we talk about. Okay, we'll keep going. Number 20. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Keep going. 21. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. The goal is to win those, to build a bridge. And you're going to see this. How do we do this in practical sense, okay? 22. To the weak I become weak to win the weak. I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry. 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Who can tell me what the blessings it's talking about here? Lots of money. I do all this for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessing. What's the blessing of the gospel? Yes, knowing him. But in this case where you're having to make yourself a slave, you already know Christ. So what's the blessing? You're right, but I would say helping others know him as well that they feel accepted by God as well. Because the blessings is, yes, we know him and, and we have him. So let's take a look at, uh, go on to the next one, and we'll just be reading through some of this and talking about culture and the unwritten laws. Welcome, friends. Welcome to all the color around you. The nations have arrived. They made us feel very comfortable <laughs> as we asked them to Join us. Okay. Let's take a look at this. Laws that are unknowingly taught, passed down from one generation, as was mentioned, from our parents to another, even when the original reason for the law is forgotten. Or with new education, you find out it's not genuine. We grew up in Papua New Guinea. Women never, ever, ever step over food. They never, ever, ever step over men's legs. So we have some of our Papua New Guineans who were serving on the Dulos, our ship, and they were sitting along the back. And Dave, what happened? And one, they saw European some lady. women walk on top of their feet. Jumping over. And, and, the, and the guys, the PNG guys said, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. And she said, no problem, no problem, you know. And he says, but in my culture, that is very offensive for a woman to walk on top of a man or would pass over his feet. 
even to the degree I was in a village where we had to keep things and what food away from mice and rats and the, all the, they say, nunus and hojos in South Africa. It sounds like what it is. And we had these tins, and they were tin, like paint tins. They were perfect for keeping all the vermin out, and we could sit on them. They were the perfect site. So we were sitting there at the table, and I had some of the lady friends over, and I stood up to open the tin to get the biscuits out, put them on the table, and that lady said, no, 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 no. You cannot do that. You cannot use that as a sitting place or and giving food. If you give that food to me as another woman, it's okay. But I got to warn you. If any man sees you doing that, he will never eat your food, and he will die if he does. So even though, and this, they spoke English, it was quite educated, but sometimes the culture, it stuck, even though the original reason might not go with it. Okay. So when you go into a different culture, these laws, yeah. they help and, you fit and, into and, a society. And especially with the refugees and the immigrants and asylum seekers that are coming to this country, I think it's so important that we understand some of the ways they think and their, why don't they shake my hand? Why are they wearing their hat inside the church but they take their shoes off at the door? Why is that? It's because of the culture that they come from. And those cultures are not written laws. Mm -hmm. And so when they come to our country and they see people inside the church with their coffee, eating or drinking, they sort of say, ah, but this is a holy place. In my country, in my culture, no food would go into the holy place. It, it, it's culture. A 64-year-old lady we met just the other day. She was a Bible translator who we knew. 64. 84. 84. And her husband was killed very tragically by the language helper. When he was, and he was in the middle of translating the chapter 13 of love, the love chapter. Anyway, she says, I'm 64, and I saw all 84. those 84, and I saw all those Afghans being coming, hanging off the planes and everything. And she says, I thought, what can I do? I stood there and I prayed and I prayed. And she realized, I have an apartment. I have a basement apartment that my renters are leaving. And so she said, Oh, that's what I can do. I can invent an Afghan family into my apartment. She went to the place and she says, Well, this is all I can do. All I can do is offer an apartment in the basement of my home. And they said, yes, you'll need to get a driver. You need to get a teacher, somebody to teach English. You'll need to get somebody to help them with the forms. But you know what they told her? A place for them to stay is the most needed thing for these Afghans who've just come out of Afghanistan. She's inviting them into her home. So when I went and saw the room... I said, Auntie Grace, you don't need to get furniture for these folks. Because the in floor. Afghanistan, they'll be sitting on the floor on cushions. They'll be sleeping on the floor on rugs and cushions. You don't need to have fancy American appliances. They just want a roof over their head and shelter. And I says, you don't need to have one room for every kid. Not in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And I says, your place is adequate for a family of five or six kids. And I says, this is great. 
but you just need to understand some of the cultural differences of them coming in and their acceptance. I think one big one is, is the way men and women, boys and girls, relate. That's and coming, so just we'll, okay. we'll come. So, Unwritten laws that, are, that help us fit into our society. When you see other people, foreigners come, and you go, wow, they're really fitting in well. They're doing great. What are you saying? They've learned to fit into my culture. Actually, you know, they don't take their shoes off at the door and come walking in in bare feet. Their clothes are appropriate. They're, you say, hey, they're fitting in really well. You know, maybe the ladies are putting on some makeup where they never did before. So... This is sometimes, especially with, in the sense of refugees, we expect them to come into our culture, but understanding theirs can help because that's how we all learn about culture. So flexibility and living, learn, wanting to, needing to learn um, a new set of rules will help anybody survive. And I think that's going to happen, especially, and I'm really, I love how Faith Church um, really helps us because language is a huge part of culture. For them to learn English, they will be leaps and bounds, but also you learning from them. Okay, let's keep clicking down there. I think we, is it still moving? Yeah, okay, let's keep going so we can. Okay, can anybody tell me what culture shock is? What's culture shock? Who can give us a definition? Have any of you think you've ever had culture shock? <laughs> what is it? Yes. Exactly. You yeah. don't, you're, you're confused. And as stress, I think, is a good word because it does create a lot of stress. I grew up in Papua New Guinea. But 40 years ago, I went to India for my first time. When he first got to India, everything was, it was sort of like romantic. Isn't this cute? They, I mean, they're riding their rickshaws down the road and, and the way they're cutting their hair on the side of the street and all these cultural things you see, ways of life. After I was there for a few weeks, a few months, you start saying, ah, oh, I can't stand it. There are things I hate. I hate the filth. I hate the, the rubbish everywhere on the streets and the pollution in the air. And everybody's coming up to me because I'm a white man and they're trying to beg from me. And, and I'm getting sick of eating curry morning, noon, and night. And I want to eat some meat. And I want a hamburger. I want a steak. I want chips and things like that. And, and you're starting to feel like I don't belong. I, I'm, I'm struggling with this stress of living in a cross-cultural setting. And many times that's cultural shock. And many people who go out from their home culture to another culture, it may even be in your own country, but it's another environment, feel like, oh, I'm going through cultural shock because it's so difficult. It's so different than what I'm familiar with. So, culture shock describes, if you put on the next slide, it describes the conflict that arises when one culture hits another. And you don't even know your culture has, I mean, I'll never forget a Papua New Guinean who came to America. And he said, Americans don't have any culture at all. They, they don't have any culture. And then he 
continue, he talked about, man, they jump over everybody's legs and they eat dessert for breakfast. Who does it? So he just described all the cultural rules. They have donuts and cake and for breakfast. And even when they have salad, they put um, jello and marshmallows in it. And it's sweet. Why would they have that during the main meal? I says, you say they have no culture. That's culture. Oh. That's the way they do it in certain areas of, a of the country. So culture, or sorry, I flipped a page here. Culture affects every single area of our lives. And us Americans too, let me tell you. Just go overseas, you'll find out how much culture you have that hits everywhere else. Now, culture is not wrong. They tell us this. This is not wrong. It's just different. Now, we're not talking about anything sinful here, okay? The way we dress, how we act. So, if you take a look at that, it folks, everything we have, eating, how we eat, where we eat, how we sleep. I mean, they sleep all in one bed. So, in their homes, a lot of, a whole family will be in one bed. And they have uh, how we, uh, children are raised, disciplined or not, how they are carried. Uh, how do people... What was different that we noticed when we came back as growing up in Papua New Guinea? We never, we never saw this in PNG. In Papua New Guinea, you'd, you have a string bag. Women would carry their kid behind their back like this on a string bag. It's like a little hammock. And a man would never carry his daughter on his shoulder. Or his sons, really. It was really a taboo. And um, it was interesting. When we went to Africa, we saw them kids sitting on their back and they would wrap a, a blanket or a towel oh. around them and tie them in. And the Af little African kid is sitting there, spread his legs apart, and he has nowhere to look because his mother's back there. And when the Papua New Guineans saw this in Africa, they said, so why do they do it like that? The baby's going to fall. You know, <laughs> I, I says, it's their culture. But why don't they carry like we do in New Guinea? I says, well, they've never been to your country. They don't know, understand that. It's yeah. the way it is. It's culture. So everything from manners, cleanliness, dress. Now, I'm, I'm sure many of you, when you first came in, those of you who came in late, we made you come up and put on something. That probably made you feel a little bit, really, we shouldn't have come tonight. This is a little bit uncomfortable because I've just took you right out of your comfortable zone sitting here. Who's going to make me do something like that? But you realize how many mission trips, and I don't want to tell you how many I've heard, short-term mission trips. Oh, we don't have to change to the culture because we're only there for 10 days. Do you realize you have to change more? You don't have the luxury of time of friendship, of relationship, of language. So you, as a short-termer, should look as much as the people you're going to as possible. Two, build a bridge. Because as soon as someone looks at you, even when you look at your brothers and sisters, two things happen, one or the other. You build a bridge, there's a bridge, there's a connection, or there's a barrier. And we might call it judgment, but this is just how it goes. Lang keep reading. In the 1966, when we first came to Faith Church as a kid from New Guinea, my mom, being a Hoosier, was really trying to help us adjust to America. And she used to say to us boys, you need to wear shoes to church. This is not New Guinea. You need to wear shoes to church. 
So we attempted to wear shoes to church, but shortly afterwards they were off, and we were running around in bare feet, except when it was winter. Then it was very hard. And the other thing that mum really worked with us on, you need to bath every day. You need to have a shower every day. You need to clean yourself. You're not back in the village in New Guinea. You're in what she would call civilization. That was Indianapolis, you know. Because in the village you had a lot of fun bathing. You were down at the river. Mm. You didn't always go to the river every day. So the language we use or we don't use, even from America to Australia, there are certain words in the presence of an Australian you don't say if you're an American or if you're an American or vice versa. So languages, Christian culture, Christian culture differs from one country to another and in denominations as well. When I was in India, I would never be up in front of a congregation without something over my head, which was like usually the shawl that was part of the dress or the sari fall that was part of the sari, which is what we wore. So all of these things, it's endless. Everything, everything, everything. We do, we have a culture too. So how do we use this to build a bridge or a culture? To the next one, a mm. bridge or a barrier. Yeah, um, you can, I'm looking. Okay, culture laws are very strong, but they're not always recognized until they're effaced with opposing cultures, as we mentioned mm. before. So, when going into a different culture or even facing these refugees that are coming in, I think being very careful that we help build bridges instead of barriers, which I think you have done a lot by helping, helping them to come into the culture as well. So flexibility to learn it is huge. We were in, um, I'm just check, uh, oh, there was a British gentleman who came to visit Janie in Lesotho. Now that is a mountainous kingdom that is surrounded by South Africa. We have been up there. And when you go into a Lesotho village, you must go and visit the king or the, the, chief. the chief of the village first. So when you go into the village, so this, she was working with herd boys, the boys who worked with the shepherds. And many of them had AIDS and she would work with them. And this British gentleman says, okay, I'd really like to see a village. She says, okay, we'll go down there, but we need to go visit the, the chief first. So as they were down, going down the not road, the just down into the village, um, all of a sudden it just burst into rain. And Janie looked at him and says, okay, we're going to have to run for it. That hut straight ahead there is the hut of the chief. Are you ready? He says, jolly good, let's go. And so they got out of the thing. They're running down there just before she got to the chief. There was a stone. She tripped over and she falls flat on her face in front of the chief's house. The chief had come out and she turned sideways and there was the British gentleman down on his face in front of the chief. And she looked at him and she goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? She gets up and she dusts and helps the gentleman up. And he said, well, I was doing what you do. And she goes, well, I just tripped and fell over a stone. He says, oh, he says, I thought you were paying homage to the chief. Everyone was laughing by this time. He said, when I was so scared to come, I didn't know if I would do something wrong culturally. They told me, 
no matter what. Just do what the missionary does. Jeff, so sometimes you can get in trouble mm. just doing what the missionary does. Jeff was a Papua New Guinean, and we had been involved in training him 25 years ago before we left PNG for Africa. He had gone to India, and he's only got grade 10 educated. He's from the mountains of New Guinea. He's a village boy, and yet he has a heart to see Hindus come to Jesus. Amazing. So he gets to India. He starts learning the language and starts doing ministry there. And one day he's with another Indian and he comes to a home and he knocks on the home. And he's greeted by the Indian. He says, Namaste. Welcome. Come in. Have a seat. And uh, he says, Would you like some chai, Indian tea? And Jeff says, Yes. Yes, thank you. And um, so he's giving him tea and he said, Would you like something? Would you like something to eat? And Jeff says, Oh, yes, please. So the Hindu man, he goes over to his god shelf where the candle is burning and the incense is burning and he brings some bananas and he gives it to Jeff and says, take. And Jeff said, I shot a lightning prayer up to the Lord in a quick hurry. He said, I'd never had this missions training. David Joy had never told me what to do in this case. So he said, Lord, what do I do in this case? Do I eat the bananas? Now, he comes from a culture. A tribal. Animistic culture. They fear spirits. Uh, you know, just looking at the Indian gods, they think they're going to jump on them. And, and so he was just like, if I eat this banana that's been offered to these gods, am I going to die? So Jeff said, I sense gods. Thumbs up. Smile. Be thankful so and he eat. said... I, I, I did an Great. inside prayer, not out loud. I thank the Lord for the chai, the tea, and for the banana. A season later, Jeff was instrumental in leading that high caste Brahmin to the Lord. Veterinary doctor. Baptized him. And Jeff was on his ninth church plant in India after being there for a few years. He died in the pulpit on his ninth church plant. And the, that and the, man yeah. gave, actually gave ground for the first church. But it was, it was actually two years that Jeff yeah. had been there, learned, he taught him to eat curries, taught him to do everything. Mm. And when he gave his life to the Lord, he told Jeff, Jeff, when you entered my home, he says, you didn't know till now. But when I gave you those bananas from the, they were the best I had as far as I knew. And he says, if you had rejected my hospitality right then and there, I would have rejected you. And Jeff could share with him then about the struggle that he did go through, but how he instead ended up leading this man to the Lord. So keep going through. Now we're going to get you, because we've been doing a lot of talking. We go through to a couple slides on there. We talked about culture shock. Yeah, go through that. Greetings. Okay. One of the best ways to, the very first thing about a culture is how do they greet? And even our prime ministers and our presidents know this. So you're going to do this just now. You're going to be able to practice with people around you. You're going to greet somebody in one of these four ways. Okay, so Japan. In Japan, Dave, come over this way. Yeah, we're not too good at sitting when we're... Okay. So in Japan, when you greet each other, you have to be very careful... 
In Japan, people have died from head concussion over this because the first one down and the farthest down at 90 degrees, so when they come to meet each other, they go down 90 degrees and the woman should be lower than the man and, and depending on the age, higher. Okay, so to greet, you just, now they would often say ohayo gozaimasu or konnichiwa. If you're too close, you bump heads. So yes. you've got to give your That's distance. That's where you have to have distance. And yeah. this is, of course, no touch, very good for COVID, you know. Mm. So konnichiwa oh, or just, you oh, just oh. greet. So 90 degrees, all right? You got that one? We're going to show you some people doing this cross-culturally very well. New Zealand, nose to nose, then foreheads touch. This is their greeting. Okay. Now listen, I'm not going to make you do the South African one. Okay? okay, South African, we were in our first Christmas, no, New Year's Eve service. Was it New uh, Christmas, Year's Eve? Christmas, Christmas in South Africa. Now this was a church that didn't even decorate much or anything. Okay, that's Japan. We'll get to that just now. So, and we were in this church and they turned around to say greetings. The pastor was in front of me. He turned around. He kissed me straight on the lips. I about died. Dave was laughing. I said, just wait till you get a guy doing that to you. Because in South Africa, kissing is the greeting. We had a South African every time she was, she, a Papua New Guinean, every time she was in a church service afterwards, she ran and hid in the toilet until everybody was gone. And they said, came out, Margaret, why are you hiding? No, it wasn't Margaret. Yeah, it was. And, and she says, because they'll kiss me. And, and, and then the church leader, they all laughed and thought, so they said, well, how do you greet? She goes, well, we, we shake hands. I said, only shake hands? She says, yeah. <laughs> so, so the way the, way the, the Maoris do it, nose. forehead to forehead, no, nose, nose to, to nose, nose, forehead to forehead. How about yeah. that? So hey. now if you take a look at, uh, go back to the one before. Uh, go back to the one where it's just describing them. Let's go back to the, yep. Okay. Then the Greek has three kisses. Now, you don't actually kiss. You just, it's kind of on the, you kind of And you make a lot of noise. Yeah. So okay. I went to Jed's wedding, my son's wedding, five years ago in Greek. Greece. And they said, you've got to get in the kissing line afterwards to greet everybody Never who came so to the wedding. Never so many people in your life. That was before COVID ever. It was a known name. So I says, do I start on the right or the left? And he says, just, just start aiming, and then you might need to move. Usually. Your bow to the left of the, the port or the starboard. So it's very interesting because it's culture. And then I found out the other thing is I was 99.9% .9 taller than every Greek there was. And I'm not that tall, but yeah. Okay. And then in India, they just hold their hands together. I say namaste. Namaste. Now, there are some greetings, actually, that are Christian. What's also Christian greetings will greet each other? In India, it's Jai Masiki. Jai Masiki. It means Jesus. Greetings. You yeah. Know? So go back to the pictures now. And if you take a look at these pictures, you will see that heads of state and many of our leaders. Here you go. You see who's this? Okay. You see Charles and some of the royal family actually nose to nose, forehead to forehead with in New Zealand. That is the greeting. Now, yes, our ship was in New Zealand and we also had people freaking out because as they came down the ship, this is how they were greeted. Okay, the next one, Japan, there you can see some how you greet, just 90 degrees, they go down, down, down. Next one, okay, this is the Greece, men to men, women to women, anyone to anyone, it's 
Sometimes they'll do two, sometimes they'll do three. And then the next one is, here you go, welcome to India. And there you see Obama there. Um, so our heads of state, it's like diplomacy, how you greet, how you do these things, and this helps. So you're gonna get up and stand, and then I'd like you to try, greet, each one of these four greetings, find somebody who's willing to greet you, <laughs> and you greet together, and then you'll both have one done, okay? Go for it, everybody up and around. You can stretch a bit, then you won't fall asleep. And then sit back down. Okay, you might have to, yep, move your head. There you go. There you go, good job. We see some good Mari. Yeah. Here, Dave, he's coming up to... <laughs> Namaste, how are you? <laughs> the Greek one. Greek. The Greek one. Mm -hmm. Got it, got yeah, it. I learned and then, then the I Maori learned, one. And then the Maori yeah. one, that's right. Yeah. Yo, very good. I need some pictures. Japanese. <laughs> Japanese, very good. Yeah. Well, they kind of hold their. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay. Good job. You had a very good examples up here with Pastor Joey. All right. So, just a greeting. Now, with many of these Muslims that are coming in, and I know they're Muslim, assalamu alaikum, alaikum salam is often how they will greet. Sometimes they will tell us as we greet them, oh, you're Muslim. And you say, no, I'm a Christian. So they will know very quickly um, on how you, um, and yeah, what you do. So the next one, we are also gonna give you another chance to build a bridge or a barrier. These have, as soon as they see you, as soon as they greet, if you know they're greeting, it's amazing. And if you look presentable like them, whenever we wear African clothes. Now, I have a domestic in Africa. Don't worry, she's not a slave. She's paid very well, fair wages. In fact, they encourage us in our missionary budget, please put in there that you can have a worker. Because guess what? They come into your home. You provide employment. All your secondhand clothes go out to them in their house and their kids and their grandkids and their everything else. And um, you get to know them well. I had to laugh because she borrowed every single one of my African outfits to go to her parties. And she thought it was great. And um, so, and one time I went, we sent her to a school where she did some training and she was a graduation. She was wearing a boring Western skirt and white top, you know, and I wore also a very colorful outfit that looked different than this. We were walking down by the sea where the conference was and where she was getting her little diploma and they were all talking as we were going by and my, my domestic finally says, oh, this is so funny. She says, hey, there goes the black white lady and the white black lady and look at how they're dressed. They were just talking on and on and on and on and on. And I said, well, is it bad? She goes, no, they love it but they don't like how I'm dressed because she was dressed very, I remember it was a very dull brown skirt and I had all the color. So anyway, all right, food, wherever you go, many times that is non-Western, they are way more hospitable than you. And if you do not accept their hospitality, guess what, you have built a huge barrier. You'll be walking by a wedding and they'll want you to come in and join the wedding because as a foreigner, you bring blessing and they have to show hospitality and join you in. So often you get served with things that are a little bit different. 
Now, all these things, we're going to serve you something now, so we'll give you some more energy. So we're going to have a little bit of a tea. There's a tea here. I would like, it's just normal tea, but there is one spice ingredient in it. Pastor Joey couldn't even guess what it was until he cheated and saw. So there's mm. one, it's not a strong spice. You might not even taste it. See if anyone here can tell me what spice is in that. So we'll hand, if we can hand these out. Um, Dave, you want to hand and then we're going to hand a tray and a, and a cup, pl the plates out. And then there's these little trays. We want you to collect. Yo. It is sweet. So sugar isn't the spice. There's a spice in there. It is, it is a Middle Eastern tea. This is Middle Eastern tea. And it, it was, the lady who made it for us in our house was from Iraq. I'm giving you clues. It's not easy to detect, all right? Then we're going to hand some trays and some little plates. We would like to, you to take as many as possible of the different little things on there. Put them on your, wait, we've got to give the plates first, Dave. Okay. Take a plate and pass it on. To be willing to try something new is very important. Now, these things aren't too exotic. We have here, what's on that one? There's some dried coconut. There's some sweets from South Africa that are South African made. These are bird's eggs. No, that's South African. Mm. There is, this is a, is, is a seaweed cracker. You just eat it. I got it. Mm. Mm. A lot of people have. Um, figs, a lot of you probably had figs. This is fruit. There is dried mango. Ma mango with uh, chili spice, not very hot, and dried mango. There's Vegemite on cracker. You have to put the Vegemite on the cracker. There's oysters. There's some Stroop waffles from Netherlands. If you haven't tasted these, they're amazing. And some more dried mango. Anyway. We'd like you to try as many of these things as you can, so we'll pass them down. There is some, um, I'll have some soup waffle. Now, nowadays there, there are a lot of, what do you call them? Allergies. But never use an allergy. If it's genuine, that's one thing. If it's not, be willing to try everything. You will build a huge bridge. Just like Jesus did. When he called Zacchaeus down from the tree, who was trying to see him, he says, I'm coming to your house today. Now that was the biggest honor. Of course, all the others were grumbling and saying, why in the world is he eating with sinners? The best way to build a bridge in many of these cultures is to eat with them. Let them prepare a meal for you. Now, I know that in your church, you have many of these cultures in for teaching English. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'd like to know how many people of this church have been to their home for a meal. Aha! Oh, well, they're raising their hand anyway. Good on you. So often we think we're going to bother them or it's going to cost, but it's building a bridge and inviting them to your home as well. 
Sometimes because of cultural laws of food, like the Muslims, they don't want to eat pork or they don't want to eat something where pork has been, the best thing is to go to their house and their ground because then they're not worried about eating something that you have. So I hope you're enjoying the little tastes from around the world. There are more here. Can anyone tell me what is the spice that was in your tea? Saffron. Not saffron. And it's, yeah? Not anise. Not anise. Those are common ones as well as cardamom that is in tea. Nope. That's often in, in Asia. Not mint. Nope. No, it's so mild, I know. Probably should have made it stronger. Sometimes you might smell it. No one else, no other guesses? The spice in that tea is sage. They just put, especially fresh sage leaf, in their tea with, with sugar, normal tea. I, may, I was very kind to you. I didn't give you Kazakh tea. Does anyone know what they put in Kazakh tea? Kazakhstan. It's salt. It's sweet, but it has also salt in it. Yeah. We tried to give that, serve that to one pastor in South Africa, and he, he poured his cup back in the tea pot when we weren't looking, but we saw. <laughs> Hospitality. Let's take, let's take a look while you're eating. Keep eating. There's more. Let's take a look at some scripture. You know, even when you don't like it, you know, you know the missionary prayer. I'm sure you've heard. Where you lead me, I will follow. What you feed me, I will swallow. And Lord, please keep it down. So I think all of us could have our food stories. I mean... We've eaten beetles, we've eaten grub worms, we've eaten snake. I don't want to know all the different things we've had to eat. Spider. Um, let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible is a very practical book. 1 Corinthians 10, 27 to 30. Dave, you can pass around a few more if any. Just keep eating. If an unbeliever, notice this is an unbeliever. Paul's writing, he was a Jewish missionary to Gentiles. Invites you to a meal and you want to go. Eat what is put before you without raising questions of conscience. Don't ask, what did you do with this? Or how did you do this? Or how is it prepared? Or what is it? Take in the meal with thankfulness. Just like um, our friend from Papua New Guinea, he was thankful for that banana. And that man told him later, thank you so much for, he actually said, for receiving my hospitality. He says, that was my test. And there are churches in India today because of it. If you take the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Continue on the next one. So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Now, where this gets tricky is where our culture is so strong. In the early missionaries, it took them a while to learn some of this. Margaret 
She was also another one of our girls from Papua New Guinea, was in Italy on an outreach team. Every day they were out in the streets. Guess what happened? Every day they got invited home for an Italian meal. Every day there was wine on the table. And every day Margaret promptly turned her wine glass upside down and asked for uh, water or fruit juice. Now the team leader had told her, you cannot drink the water in Italy, you'll get sick. She got sick. She had a stomach bug and to ask for fruit juice or other things, they couldn't. So this team leader came to get Margaret. She was in her room and she was so upset about these people who are supposedly missionaries and they're drinking. Now this guy finally says, you don't have to go home and talk to your pastor and say you drank or whatever. But they said, Margaret, pretend it's medicine because you need it for your stomach. And then just have a couple swallows. Please do not turn your wine glass upside down because these are people we are trying to share with. And this is what they have every meal. Getting drunk is wrong, have a drink. It was very hard for Margaret. But she said, we didn't see our first person respond and have an amazing conversation about God until she came back onto the team and realized that it was her and not them that needed to be challenged. Not always easy. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greek, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And Paul, as a cross-cultural missionary, says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Christ looked Jewish. He looked like a normal man. He had a mother and a father. He didn't look like the Son of God in blazing glory because nobody could stand before him if he did. So following Christ in this to build a bridge or a barrier. So just taking an invitation, right? Did anybody guess what this yeah, was? we just had that whole conversation. Okay, I was Sage. giving food. Yeah. Sage. All right. So next, next one. Um, dress is a tricky one because what's modest? Do you realize if I wear this in India, I would be completely immodest? Completely. My arms are covered, but from here to here is not covered. Now, in the cities and towns, you'll always get the people who are heading more Western. But don't go and follow the people who make you most comfortable. When I was in India, our teams, we weren't allowed to wear Western dressed. And we didn't because you had to cover. They'd have long trousers and a long top. Team language. Learning greetings. Often team language is English when we train in South Africa. Although we're surrounded by Zulus and there's other languages, they need to learn English to join the team that is going, and then they have to learn often the language of the place where they're going, somewhere else. So relationships, that's always a, another yeah. interesting And this one. is boy-girl relationships and the way you man and woman relationships um, in America, I can hold my wife's hand and walk down the street. No problem. It's acceptable in this Western culture. 
But in Papua New Guinea, holding my own wife's hand was forbidden. It just, you don't show any public affection. In, in Pakistan, if I'm walking on the street, Joy would always be behind step me one behind. step. Because I was there to be her protection and she would walk behind me. She would, would never, never look another man in the eye. In Western culture, we do that all the time. It's, it's part of our culture. But in, in many other cultures, that is not acceptable. Especially in Muslim cultures, for a woman to look a man in the eye is, is asking for trouble, big trouble. And we had this one couple that they asked us, we were visiting in, in Pakistan and, and India, and this couple was, uh, where were they at? They were in uh, Peshawar. Peshawar. And she, the wife was, she says, I'm a modern American woman. I will look down my head to nobody. I will look every man in the eye that I see because I, this, is, this is more Christ culture. We are all equal. And I will not. And her husband was more the quieter type doing translation. They asked if we'd go and talk to her. She wore the Punjabi, but it was very tight. They always wear loose clothes. So how you wear their clothes not wearing the way we think, but the way they would do it. And she refused. She says, no, I, I, I just won't. I'm not going to cover my head. I'm a free woman, and it's a modern times. And that, that team had to leave, be called off the field, because it just wasn't working. So even, even our, what we sense our rights are, our freedom, we have to become a slave to everyone, to win many. That may be, and women often work with men. Ah. Sorry, women work with women, men with men, and we might think that's an archaic thing, but it really isn't. But often families together, so getting a family unit. And the single girls, they often are taken in by a local family, then she's protected. Um, a girl who works in Iraq in the middle of everything, she has a family that has has kind of adopted her as their daughter, and they protect her. So there are all these things that you can build a bridge or make a barrier. And it happens in um, the other thing there, if you go on, it's Christian belief. Denominational cultures, huge, even in America. You know? Um, and how would you feel if you went into, you were somewhere else and you were going into another church? Maybe they were a bit more free. Would you be willing to be freer? Or if they were a bit quieter, or they came to the front and knelt? So all these things are things that can make a bridge or a barrier. The last four things we're going to give you uh, are practical steps when you are facing this. Because we're coming near the end here. Sorry, we're already yeah. But Four practical steps. First one would be observe. Open your eyes and look at the country, the culture that you're in. Observe um, keenly to see what you can learn from them. Um, Not just observe what you feel comfortable, but how do men of your age dress or women of your age? Um, ask questions without giving hints of your view on the subject first. Do I look fine? You know, I love this dress. It's really great, you know. But if it's not appropriate, so not making hints. And many times in that culture, they would say, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine for you. But you won't be listened to as much when you come to our country. The other thing is to listen. 
to intently listen to what they're saying, not what you think they're saying. Mm. Yeah. And then act accordingly. As long as it is not a compromise against our faith, act oh, accordingly nice. to adjust to that culture that you're in. Now, the places with you is I think you have it a little bit harder because you are the dominant culture here. When you go as a missionary, you are not the dominant culture. But now you as the dominant culture, and we have these many opportunities, many opportunities to relate. How are you going to build a bridge or a barrier? Mm. And those are the things. And even if you do make a mistake, like the next, the next slide as we end here, honest cultural mistakes can be bridges. If you actually say, oh, you know, I made a mistake, or how do I do this? And they end up being, sometimes they'll laugh. They, you're always more forgiving for foreigners. And even if you're trying to greet them and it goes all wrong, and then they'll say, oh, i never forget the first time you tried to greet me. And it can be a bridge, a sense of humor, and keep a journal. It's very good for stories. And I'm sure some people who we see out there who've been in some of these places, we could tell you story after story. It wasn't our great message. It wasn't how we did things really well. It wasn't how we exactly knew. But it was more realizing what they see when they see you, how they feel when they greet you, and how you eat around their table and love them. And many of those things are the bridge that the gospel goes over. And this is the, the discussion one here that comes up. And maybe you can come on up. And um, the last one is, do you feel this is just important for cross-cultural missionaries? And how can maybe you feel we apply it more in our context of this great place called America? All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, you all can give it up for them. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing your learning, your expertise with us, and your your stories. That's awesome, uh, and your food. Yes, and your food. I admitted to everyone uh, online that I, I passed on everything except for the sugar, uh, the things that were primarily made of sugar. Um, Yes, definitely. Yeah. That, so people online are also asking for a group photo. Um, but we'll, we'll kick off with one picture, by the way, if you're, or one question. If you're watching online, um, you can drop questions in the chat, and we'll, uh, we'll ask those. So uh, one question was asked. Um, are we supposed to stay here now? Yeah, you guys stay oh. up here. It'll be easier on the camera, and I'll, I'll, I'll come up here, too, and, and make yeah. it easier. And then I'll, I'll pass the mic around for you all for your questions. One question was asked was about clothing and cultural appropriation. So in the States, especially right now, there's a lot of conversation about what's cultural appropriation and what isn't. Um, so I think this question came through when you were telling, I think, the story about being in India. And uh, you were wearing Indian dress, and you saw an Indian wearing Western dress. Uh, the question is in the area, of, especially in your experience, when is it appropriate to adopt the cultural traditions of the culture you're in, uh, the clothing traditions, I should say, and when is that... Um, when is that inappropriate or itself sort of a power dynamic violation or something like that? Okay. I went to an Indian wedding three months ago in South Africa. It was Muslim a Muslim wedding. wedding. And joined me with the only white people there. And um, we wore 
Indian clothing. I tell you what, we had such an inroad with that community. Um, Their neighbors We too. could speak some Hindi and Urdu and Gujarati with them, not much at all, but it broke the ice, broke the barrier so much. It was just an in, inroad. Now, I could have worn a Western, Western clothes. I could have been a lot more casual, but um, we wanted to to go full out. And then a lot of them wanted to have photos with us. And it was just a, a great inroad. I felt like it was a testimony for Jesus. The other thing I'd like to reverse that question. Mm -hmm. What would you feel is appropriate for these foreigners coming into our culture? How, how should they, how would we see them if they just, if we walked around like this all the time? I mean, would that be, I, th I think we sometimes think, oh, we're, we're, we're not making, I mean, I, I can guarantee you, we'd go anywhere in Africa dressed like this, we would be like, they'd want pictures with you, or we just, they'd come up to you. In India, same thing, you tie a sari, how do you tie a sari? I mean, you know, in, in, in Durban, although they're Indian, some of them, the younger ones don't even know how to tie a sari, because they're South African Indian. So I think sometimes if we put the question back on us, I think we should say, is it like there? It should always be modest, but what is modest? It depends on the country you're in. How do we see that in the US as far as building a bridge? I think you're. I, I don't know what. No, I think you you're building a bridge um, language is very helpful here because you keep talking about uh, adopting the. The, the clothing traditions as a way of showing respect for and solidarity with a community, yes. not as a way of sort of borrowing their cultural capital and, yep. and yeah. in order to present mm -hmm. or in some other way. So show, and, yeah. yeah, okay. So, and I think it's the same as us. If we see somebody, like the exact way I said, they're, they're mm -hmm. dressed nice, they're, they're fit, they're in, in for the style and everything, they look good, we go, oh, they're, they're adjusting well. Yeah. Huh, that's helpful. What did we just? All we did was look at what they looked like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's open it up. Questions here while uh, folks are chatting, dropping them in there. Phil. Some of what you described we would accept as superstition, uh, uh, cultural things that uh, we would say, well, that doesn't make sense. So it, it sounds like we should be willing to accept what we consider superstition as being an important part of culture to build a, a bridge. Would that be mm -hmm. right? We should dismiss superstition? I'd oh. say you've got to be careful on that, that not to, the spiritual side of things, um, like we're talking about things that are not sin or not, um, I wouldn't just dismiss superstition, um, but uh, you know what I, I'm saying? I, that's a good one, Uncle Phil, because. That's a very good question. Superstition, and when you go into a cross-cultural situation, they'll, they may say, we want you to participate with us in one of our rituals. I'll give you an example. In, in the Pacific Islands, in the island of Fiji, they have an alcohol called kava. Kava, K-A-A-V-A. And it's an alcohol fermented coconut milk, and it's very strong. But it's also, they put their own saliva in it, so they spit into it, and then you drink from that. So it's a communal thing. And I've had friends who've gone over there and they just feel like they cannot participate in that 
because they feel it's a compromise. That's related with the spiritual. And it's linked thing. to practices that many times in the church they won't do. It's the same thing in Papua New Guinea. We have betel nut, buai they call it. It's, it's, it's a narcotic and they eat it and they get it all red all over your mouth. For me, I spent all my life in PNG, 40 years of my life. I can't eat it because it's a compromise for me as a believer. But you watch, some of the churches there will accept that. Mm. So it is a bit tricky. It's not all, straight. you know, straight cut and die. But the best thing to do, if the church is there, you find out what the vibrant church that is following Jesus accepts. But they don't necessarily all need to look and dress and eat exactly like we are. But I think you do have to be careful with um, superstitions that offend them. You know, like that whole thing is, you know, like with the women, you know, what's offensive as opposed to, and God does give you, his spirit teaches you, you're in a spiritual battle here as well, but you're also in a spiritual battle there. So you just want to say, God, how do I reflect you? That is, that they can understand it, but doesn't offend them. Yeah. There are times when, because it's against God's word, you, you don't do it. That's, yeah. That's helpful. I was trying to think of a, like a modern American example, yeah. equivalent superstition. I was like, I don't know if any church is tall enough to not have a 13th floor, you know, uh, to go from t- floor 12 to floor 14. But mm-hmm. uh, um, that's the only superstition I could think wow. of. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I know yeah. it was like a black cat or a broken mirror or throw salt Friday on your the shoulder. Friday the 13th. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, some crazy. It's like yeah. the whole world will shut down on Friday the 13th. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Any other questions? All right, here you go, Bob. So I'll just share a comment that I've said to a number of people in this church over the years. If you want to engage in cross-cultural ministry, it's as easy as walking across the street to Lakeside Point Apartments. And it's as hard as walking across the street to Lakeside Point Apartments. Yes. That is a very, very true word. Often you just have to get there and because I think they're almost the people who are coming in, who are who are around us, um, are are just as fearful or just as like uh, uncomfortable. Like when we had you come up, we got you out. You have to get out of your comfort zone to sometimes build bridges. You have to, and not just bring them into your side. Go into that side. Yeah. Back to the first question. I think it was about cultural appropriation. Is that a real thing in the world, or is that just an American invention? Tell, explain to me exa- okay, exactly what you mean about appropriation. <laughs> because I think I'm trying to get my mind around what do you actually what are you yeah. actually asking? So cultural, because I'm not understanding. Mm-hmm. I'm just coming into this. I'm not quite understanding. I think the fact that you have to ask for a definition of cultural appropriation probably we're li- out of it. Well, it just shows that it's, the question is limited to largely sort of Western European. Uh, uh, cultures. The the question is basically, is it ever appropriate for me to uh, dress in uh, the the sort of customary attire of another culture, or um, present myself sort of in that look, or with those mannerisms, or with that particular music, or anything like that? Is that is it ever appropriate for me to do that, or is that uh, a, an unjust 
appropriation of their culture for my benefit. In other words, if I were to dress up for Halloween as Jamaican, that would be considered cultural appropriation, an inappropriate use of someone else's cultural uh, norms uh, in my life or in some inappropriate way. Interesting. Yeah. I think. Sure, I, sports I mascot, you know, the renaming of sports teams to, to not have any Native American references is one example of this debate I, right now. I think what America's going through from what we glean in this yeah. season is interesting. That was not a discussion some years ago. It's partly to do with political correctness. I would say adjusting in and wearing country clothing when you're in that country yeah. and you're working with those people and you're trying to assimilate into them, it would be very appropriate. For what I'm wearing now, working in North Pakistan, would not be appropriate at all. Mm -hmm. I would need to adjust and wear what is appropriate to assimilate and to blend in with the, the people. And they say, you respect us because you are honoring our culture. I think if you're going across the street, as you said, I think know what would be appropriate. You know, for us, even just having no sleeves can be inappropriate. Uh, we heard of one lady in America, she says, I went over across the street and I was trying to make friends with my neighbor and the Muslim man was there and his wife wasn't home. She was wearing tight, short running, you know, completely. And, and I kept banging on the door. Oh my goodness. And Dave says, well, no wonder he never came to the door. That he could be accused of all kinds of things if he opened up the door to you. And his wife is not home. And, and so I think a lot of it is um, within the context of our culture is actually being respectful when you're going there. Um, I always say in, in any dress, dressing with a mission means it's always modest no matter where you are in your context. Another thing is, is it never draws attention to you. It honors God. Never draws attention to you like the latest styles or the laser. It's not excessive in cost or excessive in whatever. And it, one's things like, I think of the people who dress all black, they draw all attention to yourself. You shouldn't stick out so that you're completely, but you should look like you fit in and not be like trying to make a point, whether it's your hair or your clothes or anything. So I, I don't know if that answer, I, th I th just think as believers, you need to fit in and always mm. honor God and always, no matter what we do, and we don't always as the church in the West. Uh, yes, so I wanna jump off that, uh, that last comment that we don't always, because uh, I'm wondering about, you, you guys shared a lot of stories. Uh, um, Maybe I missed it if you said one, but did you share a time when you guys just totally messed it up <laughs> and, and accidentally created a, a barrier instead of a bridge? Yeah. Your comment uh, at the end said even a barrier no, a when, when understood and can become a bridge. So I'm, I'm curious if you had a personal experience with that. Um, I'm just trying to think. There's probably quite a few. Well, like I said, the time I sat on the food, and, and they were, she was yeah. just saying, are you kidding? So I made sure after that never, and now it was a lady, so whenever, you know, we, we decided that we still actually needed those for, but we either didn't put the food, we had food in other places, or we would never take it out while someone was there. Um, oh. Well, maybe this I, is. We have made so many. <laughs> say I'm this is unfair characteristic on my part, but I assumed you know your your, your stories would be of in a you know a small personal group, and Dave is, has probably screwed up in front of a large number of people, 
And that's the kind of story, yeah, that I would love to hear. <laughs> uh, no, we have you're, definitely made our share of mistakes. Your right hand and your left hand oh, is very my, important oh in all the Muslim world and all of Asia and the Middle East. And if you're left-handed, you have great troubles. And there are times in India when you would pick something up and you would pass with your left hand. You just look at the face, just, look at their face, and then and you, you see know. their expression, and you realize, oh, oh, and then you have to change hands. Africa is very common too. It, the Zulus of Africa will never give something with their left hand either. They always give it with their right hand, and they put left hand their under other their hand underneath it, and they give it with both hands. So when you're changing money at the till, you but know, both or like that. they give it with the right hand. If you give it with the left hand, they'll accept it from you, but they feel like that's disrespectful. And, and I've never had anybody not accept it from me, but in Asia, in Pakistan, oh. if I handed food or something with my left hand, they would just feel like, you dirty scoundrel, you uncouth person, you have no culture, no manners. They didn't say it to me, but sometimes they would not accept it. Yeah, so. All right, I'll, I'll say that from the very beginning of your talk when you said, come put on someone else's shirt and someone else's hat, I, I don't know if anybody else grew up with this, but I grew up being told never wear someone else's hat because other people's hats are dirty, right? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, at least I did it in front of like a whole group of people um, because it was yeah. like, that was, I don't know, it was a Midwestern Iowa thing or, or maybe more than just the Midwest, but you don't wear other people's hats. And this was back in the days when the school nurse would come check us for lice, you know, every couple of weeks. Uh, well, I, of, I had lice in India from all my... Was I wearing your hat? No. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's all out now. Now, now I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for sharing not just your stories, but your expertise and your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. So again, you guys, I'll say uh, thanks to them. You'll have the opportunity tomorrow to hear more about their sort of day-to-day you know, -day personal stories, ministry work, and all of that. They'll be presenting during both church hours across the, the mezzanine in 210. Uh, same thing, both hours, so you can pick whichever one's more convenient for you and get to ask more questions, hear more stories, and all of that from them then. So uh, thanks. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you again.